We inform. Religious freedom is about people of faith being able to live out their faith, live out their convictions, no matter where they are. We equip. This is a battle of worldviews. And we activate. We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. This is AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. And welcome to this Thursday edition of AFA at the Core. Fred Jackson sitting in for Walker today on this another very busy, busy news day. You know, it's kind of understandable, even as Christians, uh, this is a difficult time right now in our world, uh, certainly, and it's just not what's going on in Ukraine, although that is the spotlight and deservedly so right now. So much uncertainty out there. And it's at times like this, especially, that we need to go to God's Word. Isn't that true? And I was just looking at Psalm 27. I'd like to read you a few of the verses from there. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. That was the first five verses of Psalm 27. You know, the Bible is filled with verses of hope like that, and that's what we need. Our hope is in the Lord. And yes, uh, being in the news business here at American Family Radio, uh, we tend, whether we like it or not, to focus a lot on, on the negative things that are happening in this world. But I tell you what, one thing I do, I get up very early in the morning, and uh, I usually at some point, uh, just before I do my devotions, I go out, and if it's a clear morning, I love looking up at the stars because I know whatever happens in this world today, <laughs> it can't affect what God has put in place. And God has put in place for us his wonderful salvation. That is for sure. He holds our future. And yes, we have things to, that we have to deal with on a daily basis here. But you know, he's in control. He has not forfeited control. Uh, he knows exactly what's going on. He's also written the end of the story. And so our confidence is in him. <laughs> it's not in our politicians, whether they be Republican or Democrat. Uh, no, we rely on him completely. And he, we know, will see us through because he never fails. Amen? Amen. All right, that word of encouragement to start us today. Well, you know, uh, President Joe Biden, he believes that Vice President Harris, Kamala Harris, has done such a great job resolving the invasion on our southern border here in the United States. Oh, wait a minute. Uh, no, that hasn't happened. She went down and, and she had some, she had a meal down in El Paso, Texas there several months ago, and that was it. And then she flew off to her home in California and had steak that night with her family. That's nice. 
Uh, so uh, in order to deal with the crisis in Ukraine, yeah, President Joe Biden uh, yesterday uh, boarded uh, Kamala Harris on an Air Force jet, and she flew off to Warsaw, Poland, where she held a news conference uh, today uh, with Polish President Duda. And I want to play you a little bit. There was a news conference, and uh, a reporter asked Vice President Kamala Harris about if the U.S. will accept more refugees. There are more than 2 million refugees that have come pouring out of the Ukraine in the last two and a half weeks. We're told a million of them are kids. Most of the rest are, are women. So she gets asked, okay, what can the U.S. help? There are many ways that the U.S. should be helping. What could the U.S. Uh, do in the way of accepting more refugees? Cut number four is her response. Is the United States willing to make a specific allocation for Ukrainian refugees? And for President Duda, I wanted to know if you think, and if you asked the United States to specifically accept more refugees. Okay. <laughs> a friend in need is a friend indeed. <laughs> okay, I, yeah, I can first. Okay, so. Right. Uh, I'm told at one point, uh, I mean, the president of the Polish president, Duda, kind of looked like deer in the headlights, like, I'm standing here by this woman. She's asked a serious question, and all she can do is cackle. And what, what a friend in need is a friend indeed. Uh, that, that was the response to a very serious question about a very serious matter. Millions of Ukrainian refugees, what can the United States do? And all she can do in response, Vice President Harris, is cackle. Uh, and a friend in need is a friend indeed, and that's that's about it. Of course, also asked with regards to this this whole fiasco that it's turning out to be now, with regards to uh, Poland being willing to give a couple of dozen of older MiGs, of its older MiGs, to the Ukraine. Now, the initial response from the United States was, sure, Poland, go ahead. But then Poland said, you know, this is a NATO operation. How about if we uh, fly the MiGs to a uh, U.S. Air Force base in Germany, and then the Ukrainians can come pick up those MiGs and fly them to Ukraine? Oh, no, the Biden administration says, wait a minute. That might make Putin angry. So we don't want to do that. So we're putting a hold on that. You know, this is very serious stuff, folks. Trey Yankst is one of those Fox correspondents that are doing just a terrific job covering this war right now. He has been based, for the most part, in the capital, Kiev. And you know, <laughs> correspondents, reporters, are supposed to do their best to keep the emotions out of their responses. But he responded to what he was seeing in the way of that news conference with Vice President Kamala Harris. And this is how he responded to that. Cut 12. Vice President Harris said that the United States has a lot of appreciation and understanding about the situation on the ground in Ukraine. The Ukrainian people don't necessarily need appreciation and understanding. They need anti-aircraft batteries and anti-tank missiles. The situation on the ground is dire. As the president of Poland and Vice President Kamala Harris spoke, 
There were air raid sirens going off in this capital city. There are people dying on the ground here, hundreds of them each hour in some cases. And there is really the world facing what is the largest ground war in Europe since World War II. And we just didn't hear this sense of urgency from the Polish president or the vice president, Kamala Harris, when they spoke there in Poland. And it's important because each and every day, the Russian forces continue to advance deeper and deeper into Ukraine. There are millions of civilians at risk. So the diplomatic talk and the focus on something you would normally see on a summer afternoon during a joint press conference in the Rose Garden isn't really going to work here for the Ukrainian people. They are looking for immediate support and assistance, and they need real physical things on the ground in the form of weapons and defensive action so that they can push back against this Russian offensive. You can hear the frustration, and I don't blame that correspondent. He has been in Kiev now for at least the last two weeks. Uh, very often when he's doing his reporting, uh, you can hear uh, the air raid sirens going off in the background. Sometimes you can hear some of the explosions. And to his point, the situation is dire especially in Kiev and the eastern part of the Ukraine right now, in this city of Maripol, where you probably saw yesterday, where the Russians bombed this maternity hospital, three people dead there. But in Maripol alone, we are being told at this hour, 1,300 civilians have been killed in that city alone. In fact, things have become so dire there that the Ukrainian officials are being forced to dig mass graves. It is that bad there. And yet you have Kamala Harris. And yes, as Trey Yanks pointed out, uh, the Polish president uh, just, <laughs> it, as he said, it sounded like a Rose Garden news conference. No, the situation is dire. Joining in in this concern in trying to understand why the Putin administration is not doing more, Senator Tom Cotton this morning uh, was asking questions of Biden's intelligence people. Uh, it was a Senate Intelligence Committee why not? Why not give them airplanes? Here's a little bit of that exchange today, cut number 13. General Barrier, could you explain as an intelligence officer how Vladimir Putin might be A-OK with us transferring missiles that turn their tanks into burning piles of rubbish or shoot their jets out of the sky, yet transferring tactical aircraft is going to be unacceptable? Why is the latter escalatory and the former not escalatory? I think when you, when you look at... Uh, anti-tank weapons and air defense, uh, shoulder-fired kinds of weapons, there, there is a range of escalation. And I think in our view, um, that escalation ladder doesn't get checked higher uh, with those weapons versus uh, something like combat aircraft. I got to say, I don't think there's a lot of common sense between this distinction and a lot of farmers in Arkansas wouldn't understand it either. I mean, it, your own written assessment, Ms. Haynes, says that Russia, quote, doesn't want a direct conflict with the United States, end quote. That was from January 21st that that assessment said Russia doesn't want a conflict with the United States. You think they're more likely to want a conflict now after Vladimir Putin has seen the performance of his army? Not just against the Ukrainian army, but with moms with Molotov cocktails and grandmas with AK-47s. You think they're more likely to want a piece of us now than they were two months ago? I don't think it's an issue of whether or not they're more likely to want a conflict. It's whether or not they perceive us as being in that conflict with them. I think we're in a very challenging position, right, where we are obviously providing enormous amounts of support to the Ukrainians, as we should and need to do, but at the same time trying not to escalate the conflict into a full-on NATO or U.S. war with Russia. And that's a 
challenging space to, to manage. And the analysts, I think, are just trying to provide their best assessment of what is likely to be perceived as that kind of escalation in this circumstance. Well, I mean, I, I've got to say, it seems to me that Vladimir Putin simply deterred the U.S. government from providing these aircraft by saying they would view this as escalatory. And, and if that's going to be our position, I mean, we might as well call the commanding general at Fort Lewis outside Seattle and tell him to take the flag down and surrender our position. Because he's not going to stop in Ukraine. He's not going to stop in Europe. He's going to go all the way to the West Coast. And every time <clears throat> he raises a threat, we immediately back off. Uh, former U.S. ambassador to the U.N. under the Trump administration, Nikki Haley, listened uh, to some of that. And uh, to paraphrase a little bit of what she had to say, uh, that was a word salad that we heard from uh, the, uh, the Putin intelligence, not Putin, Biden intelligence people. And she also said, you know, it, it seems that the Biden administration right now is allowing Vladimir Putin not only to be, to be on the playing field, but he's calling, making the rules of the playing field. And she said, we need to tell Russia to end this right now, or we, the United States, will destroy you, Putin. Now, that's a quote from Nikki Haley. And I think a lot of Americans that are looking on right now are basically saying the same thing. What is going on here? And, you know, I find it very interesting, and I don't think we have time before the break, that there is a group right now called Save Our Allies. It is a group of U.S. veterans. They are going. They're paying their own ticket. They're, they're paying for them uh, their own expenses to go and help the Ukrainians. I'm told also Canadians. There's a battalion, apparently, of Canadians, veterans, that are going to the Ukraine now to help the Ukrainians fight against the Putin-Russian forces. So while Kamala Harris and Joe Biden sit back and say there's only so much we can do because we don't want Putin to get too angry with us, we have Americans willing to shed their blood to help the Ukrainians fight this back. This is a war that must be won by the West, or as Senator Cotton said, we're in deep trouble and Putin will just keep coming. All right, much more ahead on this edition of AFA at the Core. Back after the break. And when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Full weaponization of the federal government to crush a political opponent. Politicians and a political party that build themselves as pro-life while refusing to actually do what's in their power to stop the killing of little babies. The successful and unrelenting advance of regressivism. All of these are signs that our national condition is not merely a natural phenomenon. It's spiritual. Civic engagement without spiritual engagement produces political roller coasters. National course correction will only come by national repentance. We must elevate him. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner or visit the podcast page at AFR.net for more from Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. 
This is Raising Godly Girls Minute with Patty Garibay of American Heritage Girls. According to findings by researchers at the University of California, Berkeley, there are 27 distinct and unique human emotions. The list includes emotions like admiration and nostalgia, along with sadness and boredom. Does your daughter recognize the God-given value in our wide range of emotions, even the bad ones? It's commonly misunderstood that emotions, especially in girls, are bad, that expressing emotion is somehow weak. But God welcomes us to have our feelings. During Jesus' time on earth, he too felt human emotion. He cried when he lost his friend Lazarus. He cared for his disciples. And we all know he loved having parties. Encourage your girl to express her emotions in a healthy way and recognize how God has given them to her for a definite purpose. Want to learn more? Read about empowering girls through the love of God at RaisingGodlyGirls.com. Back in 07, my father passed away. My mother had passed away seven years earlier, and they left me a small inheritance, and I wanted to give back to AFA for all they have done for me. Carol talks about her experience with the AFA Foundation. I am an avid listener to AFR. 12 hours a day, and I hear Dan Celia talking about the charitable gift annuity. I liked what the uh, gift annuity offered, donated a certain amount, and from that, I get a check every month, which is retirement income for me. If you'd like to support the work of the AFA and receive a fixed income for life, a charitable gift annuity from the AFA Foundation may just be what you're looking for. Learn more by contacting the Foundation at 800-326-4543, extension 345. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. And once again, welcome to this Thursday edition of AFA at the Core. Fred sitting in for Walker today. You know, uh, part of this Ukrainian story um, that I think many of you are aware is that there's a very large evangelical Christian uh, component of the Ukrainian population on the western side of that country. And uh, many churches from the United States, pastors, in fact, there was a, a pastor, I believe, from Alabama that just got back from the Ukraine. He was there on a, on a mission trip and managed to get out in the early days of the before the Russian invasion there. But so uh, there is an, a, a connection between the evangelical community here in the United States and in particular the Western Ukraine. Uh, our reporter, Steve Jordahl, has been able to reach and has done a couple of interviews now with Pastor Ivan Bespalov. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. He is a pastor there in Kiev, the capital city of several million people. And uh, Steve managed to reach him either late yesterday or earlier today to try to get an update on uh, how things are in the capital, cut number three. In the city, the life is going on, even though the food has become scarce and quite expensive. Uh, primarily, people get the packaged food uh, that could last, uh, the, uh, the fresh food basically is gone from, from the shelves or the stores. Myself and my family, we're, we're busy uh, delivering food and, and medicine to the elderly neighbors and members of 
of our church, instructed our church members uh, as they hear the uh, alarm, uh, the siren, or air attack, uh, that they all should uh, go down to the to the basements, to the bomb shelters. We have one under our building. We live on the ninth floor in the apartment building. I hope you caught all of that. You know, we complain about things here in the United States, about, you know, our favorite grocery store is out of the can of peas that we like or, uh, you know, doesn't have the potato chips brand that we like right now because of supply and They're worried about getting enough food to eat tomorrow. Uh, They're worried about the next, uh, uh, the siren going off, knowing that bombs may be headed their ways, missiles, and to run for basements to take cover. So in the midst of all of this and the political decisions that should be being made to help the Ukraines, uh, that we remember uh, these dear folks in our prayers uh, because uh, they're going through absolute horrible times right now and that the Lord would intervene. Uh, Pray for Ukraine every day. Uh, Pray for the leadership there. Uh, Pray that, uh, you know, the the president, we pray for his salvation. Pray for the salvation of Vladimir Putin. God can change hearts. And, uh, you know, we're, we're called upon to do that in our leaders. But uh, remember these dear folks in Ukraine, that God will see them through this, and somehow uh, God will get the glory eventually. We don't know how this is going to end yet, but God will get the glory. All right, back here at home, uh, we are all greeted uh, with more economic news. Uh, The latest inflation figures, 7.9% is the latest. Prices of commodities that are going up at that rate. I have with me in studio Chris Woodward, uh, who, among other things, covers uh, economics for us. You know, I was listening. (laughs) The Biden administration now has a favorite whipping boy. Putin is to be blamed for everything. Mm -hmm. And you may find this hard to believe, but they are saying today, the Putin administration, that the inflation in this country right now is Putin's fault. Uh, they're attempting to tie it to fuel prices, and that's a big problem. There's a problem with that, Chris. Uh, yes. Uh, because inflation was increasing before Putin sure ever was. invaded the Ukraine. So there are some problems with the logic, with the political line coming out of the White House today. Yeah, we've had uh, pretty much record inflation for somewhere in the neighborhood of four to five months in a row. So do the math. That was before <laughs> Putin invaded Ukraine. Also, with the gas prices, it is factually accurate to say that gas prices have risen substantially since Russia invaded Ukraine. 60, 70 cents, someone said. Yes. And some of that is due to uh, oil prices uh, driving up the price of gasoline, again, since Russia invaded Ukraine. But what the administration conveniently leaves out, and reporters fail to ask them about, is the fact that uh, the national average for a gallon of regular gasoline was about a dollar more than it was a year ago before Russia invaded Ukraine. So gas prices were already rising. Who's in office during that time? Joe Biden. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, speaking of reporters, there is one 
at least decent reporter in that White House each day. He sits on the front row, and that's uh, Peter Ducey of, mm-hmm. of Fox News. And uh, uh, over the, it was yesterday, I believe it was, he asked Jen Psaki why they, the White House, are now calling the rising gas prices the Putin gas hike. Mm-hmm. Cut number five. Why did you guys decide to rebrand the rise in gas prices as the hashtag Putin price hike? I mean, if you want to use that on Fox, I welcome that. But oh, I think it'll get a lot of airtime because we have heard the president warn for months the gas prices were rising because of the supply chain and because of post-pandemic demand. If you guys knew for months that this was going to be the hashtag Putin price hike, why are we just hearing that now? Well, Peter, if we go back to six months ago, I don't think anybody was predicting we would be exactly where we are as it relates to Russia and Ukraine. As you know, that events in the world, including the invasion by Russia of a foreign country, does uh, prompt uh, instability and volatility in the global oil market. Hence, you have a Putin pump, gas price pump. Yeah, nice try there, Jen Psaki. Nice try, but it, best. It, it's, not, it's not going to fly. Yeah, that, there's a guy that I interview sometimes. Uh, he's a talk radio personality in uh, Richmond, Virginia, and he has often referred to her as uh, Little Red uh, Little Red Lying Hood is what he has called her before. Uh, well, listen, you know, it, the other question that gets asked, and, and the, the pat response now from the White House is, all right, the Biden administration last weekend sent a delegation down to Venezuela. Now, the news within 24 hours is that two Americans uh, that have been held there for since 2017 or 18 uh, were released. But everybody knows why they went to Venezuela. Mm-hmm. Uh, that uh, They went to try to court that dictator in Venezuela, Maduro, to try to court him to give us some oil Right. Uh, in the wake of saying we're not going to take any more oil from Russia. Mm-hmm. And, of course, we also know now... That and this is really weird, that we have Russians meeting, I believe, in Vienna, across the table from the Iranians, negotiating what Biden wants to do. Basically, Biden wants to take uh, the United States back to the deal that Barack Obama made mm-hmm. with the Iranians right. that would lift sanctions from them. And, and so, a lot of you know, a lot of people are saying, why aren't you, Biden administration? Meeting with oil officials. In fact, Biden went to uh, Texas last Friday, never met with oil officials there. Why don't you meet with them and and say, okay, we're, we're removing any restrictions that we have on you, oil industry. Go ahead and develop those leases. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. We'll remove the restrictions. We'll open up the federal lands once again. Get in there. Keystone, hey, listen, we're going to need that oil Let's go to it because we need to make America energy independent again. But none of that is happening. I think the reason he has not done that is, uh, number one, he's just he, his foreign policy is terrible. But two, it, it's an effort to please his environmental base. Uh, I'm talking about the people that w- don't want us to harm the earth and out of concern we're going to upset the environment and you know we need to keep everything pristine here and clean and stuff like that. The, the problem that you run in there is twofold. A lot of the jobs that are oil and gas are union jobs, quote, good-paying union jobs that this president often talks about and wants to create more good-paying union jobs. So that's one thing that he could do, but he doesn't because he wants to unplease the far-left environmentals uh, that do vote for him and other Democrats. 
Um, the other thing that people don't take into account here is uh, if you're really concerned about climate and emissions and carbon footprint and stuff like that, our outreach and request for overseas oil is more detrimental to the environment than simply getting it here because we have uh, tougher standards. We have more standards. We follow those standards. We enforce those standards again, things like that, versus Venezuela that doesn't give a lick about the environment. They're interested in making money. Same thing with Iran, who my entire 40 years on this earth has called for the death of Israel. So basically, we traded one terrible regime, Russia, for another one, and another one that's up to no good that commits all kinds of human rights abuses. You know, uh, we had a discussion at our Today's Issues story meeting this morning. Uh, we are told that probably there is at least 100, 150 years' worth of fossil fuels that we could tap into mm -hmm. sitting in the ground at various places, like Alaska. I, I mean, the, the amount of oil and gas right. that Alaska could supply this country alone Sure. could last us and make us energy independent again. To that point, Alaska Governor Mike Dunleavy uh, was on Fox & Friends this morning reacting to the Biden administration's lack of action on uh, getting back to making us energy independent once again. You know, they, they are so rich in oil and gas there. They have a, a dividend that they give to uh, to their uh, residents, residents of Alaska every year, uh, kind of a benefit uh, that they offer. They they have that money sitting there, and he talked about how they're going to be able to help Alaskans get through this very tough time. When gas, what's the average today? Four dollars and um, the national average today is four dollars thirty-one cents. That's the national average in Alaska. You're looking at four sixty-eight. Yeah, four sixty-eight. But they're going to be able to get, to help their residents through this. Cut number six. Alaska is an oil state. We're, we're, we're anticipating uh, billions of dollars in surplus this year as a result of high prices. But those high prices come off the backs of our Alaskan citizens as well as others across the globe. Um, nonetheless, we've always had a high cost of energy within the state of Alaska because of our small population and distances. And so, for example, in the past week, gas has increased, gasoline has increased in our largest city, Anchorage, by 70 cents in one week. And we see no end in sight. And so what we're planning on doing is making sure that the Alaskan people get what we refer to as their dividend. And we may, we're going to make sure that that dividend is of substantial size, that they're able to offset some of these costs. We've seen what inflation has done the past year. It's going to keep going up. So we're going to help our people with some of the windfall from, this, uh, from the high oil, high oil prices. Get your U-Haul truck and move to Alaska. You know, uh, you'll get some help there. You know, uh, just one more thing. We have to go to another break, Chris. I wanted to get your reaction to this. There's a headline. John Kerry, who is uh, Joe Biden's climate czar? Uh, climate envoy. Climate envoy. We don't okay. use czar right now because we're boycotting that, too. That's right. Uh, who affords himself the right to fly around the world in his private jet. Right. Because I'm doing important things. Um, I think that's what he said. But listen to this. You talk about tone deafness. U.S. climate czar, I'm reading here from a New York Post article, U.S. climate czar John Kerry, who had already made cringeworthy comments at the start of the war, did it again this week. He's talking about the invasion of Ukraine by Russia. By using Ukraine's burgeoning refugee crisis to shift the focus back to his cause. Here's a quote. If you think migration has been a problem in Europe from the Syrian war or even from 
what we see now in Ukraine, wait until you see 100 million people from whom the entire food production capacity has collapsed. That he told a Houston Energy Conference Monday. Yeah. If he's that concerned about it, he would stop traveling the world to save the world from emissions. Yeah. And he would Skype with everybody, <laughs> and he would quit getting in SUVs and fleets of SUVs to take him to and from the airport. But stop and imagine for a moment. We have hundreds of civilians dying in Ukraine. We have over 2 million now refugees fleeing into countries like Poland, Slovakia, Hungary, and Romania, fleeing for their lives. And he, he says, if you think that's bad, wait, and if you don't do anything about the climate, you'll have 100 million refugees. And people take him seriously. They do. Yeah. I mean, it got, you know, it's getting mocked on like New York Post and Fox News, but CNN and... Um, MSNBC, other people will make it a point to applaud him for bringing it back to, uh, for bringing the issue of climate change back into the uh, the national cycle. But again, Biden is, if you really believe everything they're sounding the alarm about, Biden is harming the environment by asking other countries to go after oil there mm. and ship it to us here with ships that use dirty fuel. Yeah. And need we mention the fact, you know, they're talking about electric cars. Uh, go out and buy electric cars. Right. I think Pete Buttigieg, transportation secretary, said that the other he day. He did. Yeah, everybody's got fifty, sixty thousand dollars in their pocket. They can go out and do that. But do people think? You know, Buttigieg says he's going to set up all these recharging stations. What mm -hmm. five thousand across the country? Yeah, a lot of them uh, are going to be in uh, urban areas or remote parts of the country that don't really have a charging presence yet. Need we remind people, where will the electricity come from that they plug in their cars? Right. Where does it come from? 80% at least of the energy will come from fossil fuels. Yes. And the people that are making wind turbines and solar panels are going after metals and minerals in other countries because Biden doesn't want to do it here. Also, good paying union jobs in that industry as well. Chris Woodward, thank you very much. Thank you. We'll continue to tell the story. Time to hear from you folks. 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840. That's the number to call. Want to hear from you on these topics? Your thoughts about inflation? Is it all Putin's fault? 888-589-8840 is the number to call. We're back after the break. What we believe about the Bible is based on what we believe about its source. The God Who Speaks, the award-winning documentary from the American Family Association, is now available in a special limited edition DVD set. This release includes a Sunday school curriculum and two hours of additional footage. Go to thegodwhospeaks.org to get your copy today. Thegodwhospeaks.org. What does the American Family Association stand for? We believe true morality flows from biblical principles and directs people to the manner in which God intends them to live. These values and more are part of our mission to inform, equip, and activate individuals to strengthen the moral foundations of our culture. We also support the church. 
we want to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training for cultural transformation. Thank you for standing with us as we seek to stop the erosion of godly values. A lot of folks want to go see our nation's capital, Washington, D.C. Hello, I'm Tim Wildman, president of American Family Association and American Family Radio. You know, about 20 years ago, we started doing our spiritual heritage tours of our nation's capital. We soon added Mount Vernon, Williamsburg, Jamestown, and Yorktown. So we do these tours twice a year, once in June and once in September. If you want more information, just simply go to our website, spiritualheritagetours.com. That's spiritualheritagetours.com. Stephen McDowell, who is the president of the Providence Foundation, is a historian, and he joins us along the way. He'll answer questions, he'll give talks, and he'll point out places of interest for us and give us the rich Christian and American heritage and history. So for more information on these tours in June and September, Go to the website, spiritualheritagetours.com. A Moment of Truth with Gary Bryden of the Association of Independent Methodists. Early morning hours are special. The air is fresh and the birds sing at their best. The melody is truly the peep of the day. Psalm 5.3 says, My voice shall you hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning will I direct my prayer unto you and will look up. How soon after awakening should we praise the Lord and pray? Shall we allow anything to rob us of that first conversation with Jesus and His Word? When we awaken, God has given us a fresh, newborn, God-made day. Even His love is new every morning. Our prayer should be, Lord, claim my every day, my every hour at the peep of the day. The Association of Independent Methodists, like-minded congregations doing together what can't be done separately. Visit aim2020.com. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. And we are back to this Thursday edition of AFA at the Core. Fred Jackson sitting in for Walker today, just before we go to our phones at 888-589-8840. Some good news. Uh, We are thankful for what uh, Governor DeSantis is doing down in Florida on many different fronts. I I just find it amazing over the last several months, you have all these lefties from uh, New York, California that, condemned uh, Governor DeSantis for opening up the state of Florida early on, getting rid of the masks and all of that sort of thing, opening businesses up. And then, of course, what do we see? People like AOC uh, showing up in Florida at a party with no mask on. It's just amazing. I, I think it's the most intelligent virus that we've ever had, you know, because it does terrible damage, according to AOC, to schools and everything else in New York. But, hey, Somehow that virus just doesn't go over the Florida state line. Uh, it's quite amazing. Boy, tongue-in-cheek. One of the great things that, uh, that's going on in Florida right now, they're just about, uh, the governor's about to uh, sign a law down there that's going to protect kids in kindergarten through grade three from uh, having pro-homosexual transgender indoctrination happening to them. We're talking about five and six and seven-year-old kids, protecting them from being taught pro-homosexual, pro-transgender stuff in the classroom. The left has gone ballistic. 
you know, they're, they're calling it the don't say gay bill. Jen Psaki, White House spokesperson, was asked about this the other day. This is how she responded. Cut number seven. President Biden actually voted for a much broader restriction uh, that banned federal funds from being used for, quote, the promotion of homosexuality as a positive lifestyle alternative. Uh, why did he do that? And can you describe how his thinking has evolved over the years? Well, I think that you have seen the president speak passionately about his view that a bill like this, uh, a bill that would uh, discriminate against families, against kids, um, put these kids in a position of not getting the support they need um, at a time where that's exactly what they need, is discriminatory. It's uh, a form of bullying. Um, it is horrific. I mean, the president has spoken to that. In terms of his views and comments from 25 years ago, I think the most important question now is why are Florida leaders deciding they need to discriminate against kids who are members of the LGBTQI community? Now, I don't think Jen Psaki really believes what she just said. What this bill does, once again, is protect little kids, little five-year-olds, six-year-olds, and seven-year-olds from being exposed to pro-homosexual and transgender politics. That's all it does. And yet there you have Jen Psaki, a spokesman for the President of the United States, accusing Florida, accusing DeSantis, of being a bully. I don't know. You talk about worldviews and worldview differences going on in this country right now. You know, it's the same kind of thinking that I think led to such a change in Virginia in the last in the state election there last last November. A total difference in worldviews that finally parents were exposed to the kind of garbage the kids were being taught in their schools. And it basically led to a political revolution. We went from hard Democrat to very conservative, pro-family Republican in one state election. Maybe we can see that in the November election, in the federal election that's coming up this fall in November. All right, let's go to our phones, 888-589-8840. We go first to Oklahoma, and we say hello to Jake. I believe Jake is, is Jake with us? Uh, okay, I'm. Can we bring him up, Jake in Oklahoma? Hey, can you hear me? Yes, go ahead. Can you hear me? Okay, I got you now. Yeah, I, was, I was wanting to address this uh, this new thing that's come out. Uh, U.S. Undersecretary of State Victoria Newland says Washington's working with Ukraine to prevent biological research facilities from falling into Russian hands. Uh huh. She just uh, confirmed pretty much every conspiracy theory about the, exist- the existence of those bio-, bio labs over in Ukraine. And, um, you know, uh, Putin or Russia is uh, talking about, you know, wanting, demanding to know why they were there and what was going on at these, I think, U.S.-funded labs, as it seems. And uh, that seemed to be a big threat to Russia. And we don't really hear much about that. And I haven't heard a lot of talk about that on the radio either. So I was wondering what you thought about that. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure about that. I think what's going on uh, right now with regards to the threat to life uh, to Ukrainian residents, uh, the people there, as we talked about in this city in the eastern part of the country, uh, where they've now had at least 1,300 citizens killed, I, I think that has become the focus in all of this. And uh, whether or not the reports that you're talking about, and I've heard them 
also. Uh, whether those are true may come out uh, eventually, but as I say, the focus right now is trying to end Putin's invasion. All right, but thanks for the call. Uh, to Arkansas, and I believe it is George. George, can you hear me? Go ahead. Yes, go ahead, George. Yes, uh, thanks very much for taking my call. I just want to say my hat's off as a retired Marine to Dakota Myers, the Marine Medal of Honor winner who put himself in harm's way yet again in Ukraine to help the Ukrainian people. And as a Marine and as an American, I'm ashamed of my Commander-in-Chief, Joe Biden, for his lack of following our Constitution and upholding what it stands for, the democracy and freedom of people around the world since our founding. So I hope that we pray for his change of conviction and heart to follow what he took an oath to honor. And Lord knows I would never vote for the man. No, and uh, what our caller was talking about is that there are some uh, American veterans now. Uh, There is a group called Save Our Allies, and I believe their website is saveourallies.org. Now, some people may refer, well, these these guys are mercenaries. No, they're not. The Ukrainian government's not paying them to go there. Uh, They are going uh, under their own expenses. There are American veterans, and their numbers are growing. They're going in to help out. Uh, help out in doing some of the training on some of the weapons uh, that uh, the United States has sent the Ukrainians to help fight the Russians. And so they're going there with that reason. We also mentioned in the early part of the program, there are also uh, a battalion of, of Canadians, of U.S. Uh, of Ameri- Canadian veterans uh, that are going as well. So hats off to these individuals. Uh, they are leaving their homes here in the United States and Canada to go and help the Ukrainians, they are on the ground there. Where they are, specific locations, we don't need to know that. Uh, but hats off to them uh, for what they are doing there. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's great to, uh, to have a, a White House that says the United States supports, but these, these men, these women are, are putting feet to that kind of commitment. All right. Uh, I think it is Indiana next and Doyle in Indiana. Doyle, go ahead. Yes. Doyle, are you with us? Yes, yes. Hey, I'm really honored to be on your show. Okay. Uh, I, listen, I listen to this all the time. I was going to talk to you about the uh, gas prices, but, you know, the real bottom line is you got to look at all this crazy to say, who's running the show? So if you look back to the Georgia Guidestones and the Bilderberg Group, you'll find out that everybody, these countries are all being played by puppets, and they've taken over our country and the rest of the world, and they're making a game out of this. It's yeah. disgusting. Yeah, uh, let me ask you a question. Uh, there is a stark difference between the former administration, Donald Trump, and this administration when it comes to foreign affairs. Donald Trump was make America great again, and that involved making America independent with regards to our energy needs, uh, which had a tremendous impact obviously on gasoline prices because we were making enough here at home and we were exporting it as well. Uh, So things were much better. But would you agree with what a lot of people are saying? President Joe Biden is a globalist. He believes that... He's he's been bought out. Mm -hmm. I mean, the the Bilderberg Group's running it all. 
I mean, they intend to destroy our country. If you watch the movie Pianist, you'll see how they took over the movies. And, and, you know, he survived the Holocaust because he was a phenomenal piano player. And the same thing's happening to the whole world right now. Our country has been taken over. If they want to put together a group, they need to put together a group to take out the Bilderberg group. They need to take out the Georgia Stone so people bring it to everybody's attention. Because it's about world depopulation. They want wars. They want people to die. They want a total population of 500 million. And if people haven't looked that up, they need to look it up because it's irritating. It sure is. You know, uh, I was listening to one of the weekend programs here at American Family Radio, Understanding the Times with Jan Markell, and she's been dealing with this whole globalist philosophy that the Biden administration is putting back in place. And uh, she finds it very interesting, as do I, uh, there, there are certain key words, phrases that are being used. The reset, you've heard that a lot, and build back better. Uh, they, they did just didn't come out of Joe Biden's mouth. Uh, those are the same words being used by Trudeau in Canada and other globalists. It is the uh, Rahm Emanuel who used to be with the uh, the Barack Obama administration. Never let a crisis go to waste. And I believe that's what you're seeing right now. Some people even go further. They say the pandemic was somewhat created uh, in order to test the idea of getting the population under the control of governments. And then basically you do what you want with them because people are scared. People are scared of getting a disease. And so they're willing to submit themselves to more government control. Now, thankfully, I believe in the United States and in Canada and in other countries around the world, they're getting over this and saying, wait a minute, uh, we're by this now and we're done. That's what the truck convoy uh, that's been circling the, uh, Washington, D.C. in recent days, that's what it's all about, much like the truck convoy that we saw in Canada. Enough of the restrictions. We're used to freedom and we're not going to allow the government to say you must abide by our rules uh, in order to save your lives. They're not buying it anymore. And uh, it's good to see that kind of rebellion happening. You know, for the initial stages of the virus, people were willing to submit to those kinds of rules, but they're saying we're by that now. Uh, We're not interested. All right, um, let's go to Mary in Kansas. Go ahead, Mary. Yes, I just want to talk about the law that's been done in Florida. I hope more states will take examples and even take the grade up higher because I feel like anybody under 18 that's still considered a minor should not have anything done, especially these little kids when the parents just say, well, I want a girl instead of a boy or a boy instead of a girl, and they are mentally and physically assaulting them. So we've got to stand behind these governors that are doing this and if you're not in that state, you call and thank them, just like I called and thank a Democrat that voted for the people, not his party. And this author was interviewed two or three weeks ago on American Family Radio. I just remember her first name, Elizabeth, but she's got a documentary out called Whose Kids Are They Anyway? And they start uh, March the 14th, and she's a teacher for 28 years, and she's trying to show the parents and help them understand what the our other teachers that don't believe in the right way, how they're destroying our youth. So you might check on that and post that and yeah. let more people know about it. I, I think uh, it was on the Hamilton Corner, uh, Mr. Abe, uh, Bobby. is. Uh, yeah, it's Rebecca Friedrichs. 
Okay, yes, I, I've heard at least some of the interview. It's a terrific interview. And, uh, you know, it's healthy, folks. Like I said, what went on there in Virginia last November is that parents found out what's going on in our schools. And even parents, I am sure, who are independents, who are Democrats, they said enough is enough. We are not going to allow this to happen. Let's try to get one more call in, can we, Bobby? Let's give it a try. Uh, Clayton in Louisiana. Go ahead, Clayton. Clayton, are you with us? Go ahead. Clayton, are you there, sir? Oh, okay. I'm here. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'll go real fast. I've got a few things. I was just wondering what happened to Biden's fighting spirit. You know, if you'll remember, he was at one time he was going to take Trump out behind the woodshed, <laughs> and there was somebody else that he was going to take behind the woodshed. What happened to that spirit? Another thing I just want you to know, I saw a T-shirt the other day, and this is me. I'm an old, I'm an old soldier. I'm 77 years old. Amen. But the T-shirt said, I once took an oath to uh, defend the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Be advised that I, no one has ever released me from that oath. Amen. Another thing, they're talking about the airplanes. I don't know if you know what the A-10 is. An A-10 jet airplane is more or less a ground support airplane. It's a little slower than most jets. It's awesome. It is awesome. awesome. It's called, uh, thank you very much, Clayton. we got to run here. Yeah, that's the Warhog. Oh, man. Uh, Ukraine could use that right now. All right, been great to be with you today. Fred's hitting in for a walker. Our thanks to Bobby, to Marty, to Richard. We appreciate you so much. Uh, been good to be with you. Much more ahead here on American Family Radio. Keep the Ukrainian people in your prayers, folks. Pray for them and pray that God will deliver them uh, from Vladimir Putin. All right. We'll see you again real soon. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.